When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. G'day legends and welcome to the Wednesday Pot Noodle on Celtic Down Under. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight as usual are Willie and Shane and we've got a uh, someone here on holiday from the Monday the Monday uh, podcast. We've got Paul. How are you Paul? Yeah I'm good Jared. Thanks for having me along guys. Uh, a little hiatus on the uh, weekend review so nice to pop across to the, the Pot Noodle. How you doing Shane? Oh, good. Thanks, Jared. Uh, just been um, kicking back and in, enjoying uh, the cricket where where not much has been happening. It's been relatively, you know, calm and no controversy whatsoever. Um, now in Australia going 2-0 up and uh, Johnny Bairstow next time stay in your Greece. That's all I'm going to say. Shane, I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Twitter's like stopped everyone being able to see anything. Nothing happened, right? <laughs> the worst time to bring in these uh, these limit uh exceedance or whatever you want to call it it's uh it's really damp uh, dampened the fun that i i think i could have had and how are you doing willie i'm doing pretty well we've got a bit of a winter frost setting in here in new zealand is getting a bit other than that i'm doing pretty good like just uh having a think here we've got willie at one side of us and we got paul at the other what's that about a Four-hour time zone difference between the two of you is in about three different time zones. There you go. We're covering all bases. Happy days. It's Australia and New Zealand covered for you. So got a bit of uh, fun stuff to talk about tonight. Quite a lot of transfer news. So um, we can jump straight into it. But, Shane, I'm going to you first because you're the, the proud owner of a Celtic top with Moy 13 on the back. I'd like to know your thoughts on Aaron Moy retiring from all forms of football. 
Yeah, so um, saw the rumors a few week, uh, weeks ago and was a little bit surprised. Uh, didn't really know what to make of it. Um, but I, then obviously the news broke earlier this week that, um, you know, maybe maybe now's the time for him. Um, look, I, I'll, I'll comment on it from an Australian perspective and then I'll talk about it in a, a Celtic perspective. So, yeah, a little bit surprised and, and that hasn't changed despite rethinking about it over the course of the week. Clearly, whatever injury he's recently had, it's been a bit tough for him to get over. And so now's the right time for him. From an, from an Australian perspective, um, I've always long admired Aaron and the way he plays, even at his time at Melbourne City, despite the rivalry between Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory. Um, but particularly when he played for Australia, he was he was tremendous to watch. I just love the way he plays. He always seems like he's two steps ahead, and we got to see that at Celtic when when he was playing here. And you know, one of the things about him from an Australian perspective is that when Aaron started to go overseas, when he was going over to Huddersfield and and then down to Brighton, it was at a time where Australia didn't really have a lot of top line talent going overseas and going into big leagues. And he's almost a little bit of that bridge between our golden generation to the the new set of Socceroos that we have who are making their mark overseas now. So I think his place in Australian football, which is already pretty strong, will actually only grow uh, post his retirement. Now, in terms with, with Celtic, um, look, I was quite bullish when he joined. I was really excited about him coming along and playing under Ange. Look, I think it's fair to say I, I don't think people were necessarily against it, but it was relatively unheralded, and it took him a little while to um, to get up to speed with things. Um, but when he did and when he found his rhythm, particularly post-World Cup, he was, for a small window there, our best player and arguably the best player or one of the best players in Scotland. His form was tremendous and and what he contributed through that section um, really helped propel us to that treble. So he might have come in as an unheralded signing, but his place in Celtic history is secured. He goes out a treble winner um, and, um, you know, contributed significantly during the season for us to reach that milestone. Now, People like to go out on a high. Well, I think that's a pretty decent way to go out as a, as a treble, winner, uh, treble winner at Celtic. So, look, all the best to him. I'm sure he'll enjoy retirement. I don't think football punditry uh, is on the cards for him. I think he might uh, take a bit of a breather and just stay out of the limelight. But um, all the best, Aaron, and thanks for all the memories. Yeah, I'll just jump in off the back of that, Shane, and echo a lot of what you're saying, particularly about the Socceroos like, and in Australian football in general. Yeah, I didn't really... You all heard my story this time last year when we signed him and everything about, you know, I thought he was a bit of a dick and everything. I didn't really rate his game, but the fact is he's come in. He did. He basically made me eat my words. He did his job. And as you said, there was that period after the World Cup where he was probably the best player in the league. I'll give credit where it's due. Best way to go out, a treble winner, one and done, one season, wonder for us. And... um I'm going to bring up something that Andrew Galea is saying here. It's a bit sad. He's a bloody clever footballer. His best attribute of his game, it wasn't his speed. It wasn't his range of passing. It was his brain. And for me, he'll probably be doing the, the Mark Viduka. I go off quietly into retirement. You don't hear much about it. Just sitting around somewhere, having a, having a frothy, having a dart, and just putting his legs up and going, job well done. So, um yeah, that's that's my thoughts on him. All the best to him in retirement, and um, yeah, we'll throw to you, Paul, for your thoughts. Yeah, so I 
I probably fell uh, a bit in the middle, obviously. Um, I thought he was a good player. Um, I thought maybe with the time in China, he was he was potentially at a bit of a wind down and he might, I thought he was going to be a good squad player. I thought he would fill a hole. He'd be good for rotation. I thought he might, he might take some time off Carmack and play holding and all of that was nonsense, right? Once he, there was a little bit of that experimentation at the beginning. Um, and obviously he was, you know, he, he was one of many who didn't have a great game at St. Marin when we, we, you know, we lost that first game of the season. We'd, um, but other than that, once he got up and running and he was just starting to play his way into form coming into the world cup as, as Shane touched on, he had a brilliant world cup. And then, yeah, he just came straight out with the back flying. Um, a bit like, I guess, Meira as well, when, you know, he had a good World Cup with Japan and he did something similar. So, you know, they hit the ground running. And you're right, he was unplayable for a period. And and I certainly, he, he he's definitely went above my expectations. And I would say a good chunk of the support, if not, you know, 90 odd percent of it, the rest are either Australian or liars, I would say. Um, but yeah, he, he just, he was flying. And yeah, you're right. His brain, uh, brilliant. He, you know, one of the slower players probably in the squad, but just two or three steps ahead of other players. His ability to read the game, to understand where a player's coming, always looks like he's got time, even when he's got somebody breathing down his neck. His range of pass is excellent. He linked the play. You get a bit of dig, which in that team, we probably, you know, one of the complaints down the last few years is we didn't really have too much dig. And he, he was willing to do a bit of that sort of dirty work as well, which, you know, you need in a team. So, yeah, brilliant, brilliant uh, signing for us. Um, sad to see him go as well. Yeah, only 32, but what a season um, for us. And to go out as a treble winner, you, you know, Shane's right, he's absolutely secured. His place is, is a bit of a cult hero. Um, I can't think of too many other people that have worn the 13 shirt with distinction. So, you know, he probably takes that honour as well. Just with something you were saying there, Paul, before we throw to you, Willie, is... You were saying like you thought he'd be a bench player or a squad player coming in. And that reminds me of something that we said this time last year as well, where sort of coming in with Rogic moving on, Bitton moving on, he was that guy who could cover both of their roles off the bench. So that versatility, yeah, I pretty much thought that, yeah, if he's coming in, he was going to be filling that role. So, yeah, he went above and beyond on all of that. But, yeah, it was a good signing, one good year. And, um over to you, Willie. Yeah, it's sad news to see him go. Um, I think he could have had another couple of seasons out of him, playing around the squad quite easily. He was an unbelievable talent, seems to be cut short. He had that vision. His passing range was just phenomenal. As Paul says, his, like he was two steps ahead of everyone in his head. Like, he had that ability to make space for himself. I mean, sometimes the, the way he would just shift his body and move a defender out of position, so he could pick up the ball. He would have all the time in the world. He's like a golfer with the blades of grass, just dropping it to see which way the wind's going to get that perfect pass out. And sometimes some of the balls he would put in like that that goal, Jota got a header, he just flicked it in and it just landed right on Jota's head as he was running past the post, just in. We were all sitting there thinking, how did he manage to get that in? But like you say, he came back from the World Cup absolutely flying. His game against Hibs, I think we beat Hibs 4-0 at um Easter Road, and he just absolutely ran the show that day. Like, I was watching the Celtic put a video out, a wee thank you video. I was watching it, and my oldest daughter was sitting watching over my shoulder, so she went off and so got a little picture <laughs> there. So happy retirement to Mr. Moy. Hey, Willie, I love your homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That, that, that's actually a better attempt than the new Heselty top, I thought. Like, <laughs> never. <laughs> Come on, that thing will be a cult classic. Yeah, it will be, one day. 
Yep. All right. So we'll um we'll bring up some comments about Moy here. So JJ saying couldn't agree more. Pipe and slippers for Moy, well deserved. Mickey Moynihan. Also Shane Moy did contribute to the treble. On another point, that pod they stated Moy was the first ever City Group business. Sure was first one from over here anyway. Adrian McLaughlin, glad Moy's being appreciated. My prediction he'd be everyone's favourite player wasn't far off. And who's news? The only mistake was not getting Moy in earlier. His first Glasgow Derby game, he was so calm and composed. So, yeah, it's um, interesting to see what happens going forward, but I already think we've got his replacement in with um, Odin coming in. So we'll probably see what happens on that spot there. But I think our midfield... It's got enough depth to cover it all, but yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later on, probably in the pod. Now, another thing I wanted to talk about on this pod, I couldn't find the video clips. I went looking, but it was like a needle in a haystack. I wanted to find the little shorts of every time in the last 12 months we're selling this podcast chain. You or me have said, get Tilio into Celtic. <laughs> I reckon there would be at least. Oh, at least half a dozen. So at least is a minimum. So, yeah, good bit of signing for us. Get him in, five-year deal, especially with um, a certain somebody leaving the club. For him and a bar to battle it out for that wing spot, in my opinion. But, yeah, good signing for the club. Can play left, right, and as a 10, and as a false nine, but not as an actual out-and-out striker. Tilio's game, and I'm basically the way Liam was before, for Maeda before he came to the club. That's how I am with Tilio. What's your thoughts, Shane? Oh, look, very excited. Um, you know, when it was sort of first mooted and the possibility came up, I was very keen for for Celtic to get him on board. Um, I think Stephen mentioned this on the Tuesday crew pod a few weeks ago, um, and he described Tilio as being someone that will get fans off their seats at Paradise, and I think that's a really good way to describe him. Uh, he's a really exciting prospect. He's still young, but what he loves to do, you know, when he plays here, is he loves to get on the ball and he loves to take players on. He loves to to get the ball and knock it past players, take them on, and um, you know, do that instead of necessarily just getting on the ball and passing and and so forth. Um, but I, the thing I wanted to really highlight, which I think, you know, a lot of people have talked about Tilio and, and what he brings and, and I'm excited by that, but just to sort of emphasize, you know, that he's coming to Celtic and where we already have a lot of wingers. So he's been at the, the Melbourne city football club for a little while now. And Melbourne city's always really had a good set of attacking players, a good front third usually. And, you know, the most recent seasons, no exception. They've got the likes of Jamie McLaren, Matthew Leckie, Andrew Naboot, all very recent or current socceroos. Um, and then, you know, in the attacking midfield uh, strength, they've got people like Valon Barisha from overseas, who, who who's a quality player. And over the course of the past few seasons, Tilio has come in and he sort of worked his way into being an important part of that first team. And so I just wanted to make that or highlight that because he's going to come to Celtic where he's obviously not necessarily going to walk in. He's going to have to earn his spot. And he's used to that. He's gone through that at Melbourne city. He's used to having to fight for his spot. He's used to making the most of his opportunities. And I think that holds him in really good stead with the transition across to Celtic. But um, look, fans will come to love him very quickly when they see him get on the ball 
and they see him take on a couple of players, knock it past them, and create something. They're very gonna, they're very quickly gonna appreciate the quality that Tilio has, um, you know. And we're gonna get him whilst he's, you know, he's got a long way to go. His ceiling's really high, and uh, I'm excited for what he can actually deliver at Celtic. So yeah, looking forward to uh, looking forward to seeing him in the hoops at Paradise. Paul, what's your thoughts? Yeah, so. I don't really watch as much of the A-League as, as you guys do, but um, obviously since the rumour started, I've, I've sort of been brushing up a little bit on, on Tilio. Um, I think the thing for me is, you know, everything that's been been said, uh, obviously this is, is similar, but he just seems to have genuine pace. Um, and, you know, at any level that terrifies defences. Um, if we think back to Rodgers' first spell when he had, when he had Sinclair playing off the left, now we, th- I think Tilio will probably play more off the right, from what I can gather. He likes to cut in on his left foot, and he's well, he's got, he's a bit two footed. He's definitely stronger on the left. Um, yep. You know, it allows him, and he's, you know, he can, he's de- definitely knows where the goal is, and he's got a decent ping. So, you know, he'll, he'll pro- as a winger in this team, he'll probably ask to get closer to the the main striker. So, you know, Kyogo, thankfully, um, and I'm sure we'll get into that in a bit as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think exciting pace, young, cheap. You know, but bit over a million quid two million dollars um good business by Celtic. there's no real downside it's not a huge outlay um he's you know if we are going to target players from the a-league it has to be the absolute cream and i think that's what he is um you know the a-league gets bashed up as does the the scottish league so you know you know similar from that point of view but um if you're gonna pick um players out of either league then you want to pick the cream of the young players and, and take them to to a club and, and and try and push them on so yeah it, to me there's no real downside risk um by all accounts he's got a really good attitude he obviously has got a high ceiling as shane says he's he's sort of plugged away to get through the ranks and you know he's not quite 22 and he's been around the the top level and he's got a few soccer caps as well so he's you know we think of some of our other young players who are 21 22 and they've barely played a first team game um Never mind, sort of international caps. You know, he's 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 a fair bit ahead of that. So yeah, I'm quite excited to see where he where he goes from here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Go on, Willie. Yeah, no, I'm just excited to see him. Like, I just hope he can replicate this form he's had at Melbourne and sell it. Um, I can't really add to any more than what the guys are saying. It just seems to emphasize further our, our player trading model. Like Jota's not quite out the door until he was coming in at the same time. So we seem to be on the ball with the ins and outs. So good luck to the boy and welcome to Celtic. 
it's definitely going to be a step up for him. I think that that, that goes, yeah. sort of goes without saying. It's going to be a step up, but yeah, you know what? You you want players to step up. Otherwise, how do you how do you sort of grow yeah. a player and, and lift a ceiling? So, yeah, it's you know there's 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 opportunity there, and I, you know he's not a like for like replacement for Jota by yeah. any stretch of the imagination. Think, but but it's good that we've done the business early, and he's yeah. got an upside. And I think at his age, then. You know the model is bring them in cheaper, develop them, sell them on. He he absolutely fits that model. Yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting. We said last week on the Tuesday crew that he's definitely going to get game time. The way the way the the game is now, you're going to make a couple of subs in the 60th minute. There's always going to be game time for wingers and players to add pace and direct directness into it. Like so, if a bad starts, a bad might come off early and he'll go on. Vice versa, you know what I mean. So he will get game time, and there will be opportunities there for him to do it. Like so, it's over to him if he wants that opportunity. He needs to take it. So good luck to him. Is what I say. Like I'm looking forward to seeing it. Like so, some of his YouTube reels. I know he can't base players on YouTube reels, but some of the stuff you see on there, he's defenders sort of standing off and frightened to put the foot in just in case he goes past them and makes them look silly. So it, it is the kind of player that, that, that sort of fits the Celtic mold. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Right? See how he gets on. I was just looking for a um a message I got from my older brother who's a Melbourne City season ticket holder and he goes, his what he just said what he said to me was, it's not just his pace, like his top speed, but it's he's got that explosive three or four steps. It'll just get past people, and then he'll just maintain a speed or whatever. So he's got two different types of pace about him, but then he goes also his hard cutting balls from when he gets the ball deep. If he gets back defensively and then looks to come forward, he does have a good range of passing in him too, which is just powerful and pinpoint. So he goes, those would be some good things for him as well as all the, you know, the tricks and all the the scoring and all that he likes to do and the cutting in on his left foot. He's got a few other things there as well. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. Got a few comments on him here. So Patrick is saying, do you guys think Tilly has a starter straight away or is he going to have to bide his time? As Shane said earlier, yeah, he'll he'll come in, but I don't think he'll be a starter straight away. But then he's um, yeah, what do we got here? So Shane said, yeah, three. Andrew's commenting on Shane saying three is a senior football improving all the time. Andrew saying lots of good young players coming through, and that Celtic is a step up, but the SPFL won't be a step up for him which I kind of agree with. So for me, I'm looking at it going, he's going to be a good signing for us. Give him a couple of months to settle in, but wouldn't surprise me if he just comes on and just plays well in one game and we're off to the races with him. So it'll be, um, he's one, he's a good one for us. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it, having him in the hoops. One, one little fact for you though, he is a successful little player, this Tilio, three senior years. How many times in a row, Shane, has he won the premiership? Not the actual toilet seat, so the grand final, but the premiership at, a, at his club in his senior career. Let's see if you know. It's either four or five. It's four. He's been yeah. in the, he's been in the senior team at Sydney for one year and they won the premiership plate. And then at Melbourne City, three straight years, they won the premiership plate with him there. So basically that the premiership played is the equivalent of winning the league. So at the end of the season, highest point scoring for the guys in Scotland where we don't have the finals or whatever. It's like being on top there at the point of the split, basically. So yeah, it's um it's basically the equivalent of having won four straight titles in Australia. 
the hmm. way the way the league's done over in Scotland. So he's not just a good player, but he's coming from winning culture. So and he, and he's good... he's embedded himself in that team. That just just to pick up on that with the point I was saying before, he's slowly grown each year at City. He's gone from being someone just sort of in and around the fringes to being coming off the bench as an impact player to this most recent season where he's started pretty much every game. Um and during that time, they've had quality players and, as you've highlighted, have been winning the league and he's been able to grow and then become a part of that first team during that successful run. It speaks volumes for for his work rate and his quality as well. Yep. So I agree with you on that. And I think we've pretty much covered everything for Tilio. Just the only thing is, when's he going to get to Glasgow? Because he's got a bit of stuff to sort out, apparently. So... um yeah, once he's over there and announced and everything will be uh, good to see him over there. So who was our last number 23 before him? Was it Bolongoli? Yeah, I think so. It was either Bolongoli or Lustig, wasn't it? Bolly was after Lustig, yeah. So Bolongoli. Yep. There we go. Handy. So next topic is Adam Montgomery. I thought he was going to be a chance to break into the squad this season as like a backup to Taylor. Because I think um, Bernabe, if he's going to have a future at the club, will be pushing further forward under Rogers as a left winger. But Monty's departing on a season-long loan to plan the Bruni at Fleetwood Town. Anyone got any thoughts on that move? Start with you, Paul. Yeah, so I, I did hear you uh, suggest that he might be in the squad a few weeks ago on the pot noodle, and I did think mm, probably not so <laughs> i disagreed with you on that one but so i not look for me it's not a surprise that he's gone out on loan again i did check his stats he's only about 20 21 not quite 21 so i guess to my point earlier he's still a, probably a year younger than uh tilio but you know if you compare him in terms of his game time and his development he's he's not at that same level right so uh he hasn't played a lot of football he, I think he played 27 games for St. Johnston last year. I don't know how many of them were full 90 minutes. Um, he only had, I think, four or five appearances for us um, and not, I think, maybe seven at Aberdeen um, when he was out on loan there for for six months. So he hasn't played a lot of top-level football. He needs games at his age if he is going to push on. He's obviously a talent. We give him that contract extend to, to 2025. So I think this is a bit of a make-or-break season for him and, and think sending him down to Fleetwood um, with Bruni's a, a pretty good option. Um, hopefully there's, you know, obviously can't guarantee anyone a game, but hopefully Bruni's taking him with a view to playing him regularly and him becoming his his first pick, presumably left-back, if that's his new position. Um and then, yeah, how to see how he does. It's competitive down there. It's the making of, you know, to some degree of Cal McGregor when he went to Notts County um, and came through and came back. You know, he went, went as a boy and came back more as a man. And we've, we've heard that a bit about, about Cal's time down there. So hopefully um, Mon- um, Monty can do something similar. Remains to be seen. But I think from, from a club point of view, it's a, good, it's a good idea and it's good for the player to get games. So, you know, at the very least, I think, if he doesn't, it probably it probably make it clear whether he's got the ability to come back and push for a spot with us, or whether he he isn't going to make it at this level. In which case, we'll we'll he'll move on and he'll he'll have a good career somewhere else. I'm sure. Just on that going down to Bruni, I hope he gets on the uh, good the good diet of chicken and rice down there, like the Ryan Christie Aberdeen move, and he comes back like not just toughened up from getting kicked up and down the pitch, but also come back looking like a bit of a beast. Shane, Willie, you got anything to add? Um, I'll step in. Um, 
look, I agree with with what Paul says. He needs to he needs to be playing. Um, he needs to be getting game time. You know, if he's not going to be sort of breaking into the first team, just sort of hanging around the fringes, it's good that he that he goes somewhere where he can actually get um, get match uh, matches under his belt. Um, but I think it's also important because he's obviously had a couple of loans in the Premiership that he kind of gets out of that bubble and goes somewhere else as well. Um, so he gets the ability to go down south uh, to still a relatively competitive league, but he's under someone who's obviously, you know, Celtic-minded in Bruni. And I th- I think he would have been there when Adam was there initially, unless I'm mistaken. So there's obviously a little bit of a connection there. I think it's good that he gets out of that bubble um, and gets game time, but somewhere a little bit different. And as you said, Jared, if it helps harden him up and then he, he comes back... Um, all bulked up, I guess. Ryan Christie-esque. Um, we might be all the better for it. And Willie, we'll let you finish the topic off. Yeah, there's not much more you can add to that than what the boys have already said. Like he needs game time. He's had a shot in Scotland. It's time to try him, try him out in a different league, different kind of opposition. See how he adapts to that. See how it goes. And he's got a good leader there in Bruni. You know, you're going to get a good education by him. So yeah, good luck to him. Hope it works. At least Bruni knows the level he's trying to train him, be ready to yeah. go and you know compete at. So that's probably a good thing. Yeah. Now, comment section. Go easy, okay? Before we get into this, I just want to put a disclaimer here. Let's leave any, you know, Judas comments or any sort of that sort of, you know, vitriol directed at Jota. When we start talking about that, let's not put that in the comments. Let's just talk about him as an actual player for winning five trophies for us like he did in the last two years because I'm disappointed Jota's left us for Al Idiad in Saudi Arabia. Um, would have loved him to stay and see him play under Brendan. But, you know, £25 million incoming plus the 30% sell-on, however that breaks down if it's before if it's on the whole figure or just on the profit, if he's on 192K a week or 200K a week like people are talking about, I just want to go around. We'll go around the room here first and just, first of all, we'll just discuss how you feel about him, about Jota leaving me. As I just said, would have loved to have seen him under Brandon. I'm a little disappointed, but, you know, it is what it is. So we'll go to you first. Paul, what's your thoughts? How do you feel about Jota leaving? Yeah, like it hurts, obviously, but um, I'll be honest. Look at the last four weeks. It's only four and a half weeks ago we won the cup final. We've been on a roller coaster since then. Uh, so you're kind of getting used to this by now. Um, oh, look, I'm along. You know, I one of my, you know, I tweeted this week that once you've once you've watched the King of Kings go, everything else is pretty manageable, right? So uh, it's about perspective for me. We got two amazing years out of him. Uh, we got, you know, he played to the crowd, we lapped it up, um, but he produced on the park uh, and he, you know, we talked about a little bit about Tilio being a player that might get bombs off seats. He was absolutely a player that got bombs off seats. Um, some special memories, uh, obviously goes away a winner. Um, he leaves us with a massive pile of cash. Um, I'll be I'll be honest, I'm pretty un- a bit uncomfortable politically about, you know, where that cash is coming from and that regime in general. But without dwelling on on that, um, <laughs> you know, he, he can't, it's not, for, for the player, he could get, he could get injured next week 
uh, in training and his career's gone. Look at John Kennedy. It's, we've seen it really close to home. He's going to be making 10 million quid tax-free per year. Um, you're not telling me any one of us gets the opportunity to, you know, 10 times our salary tax-free for a year or two and put ourselves and our family uh, you know, in a different stratosphere for the rest of our lives and probably it's intergenerational, right? You know, his kids aren't going to have to worry about anything either. So it it's one of those. It, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a game changer. I didn't necessarily expect that, that you know, that league to be operating at, at that kind of level. So it, it, it's it's going it, to, you know, without going too far off topic, this is a sort of much bigger debate for another discussion probably, but it's going to really change the landscape massively across um, European football because it started off they were taking players as a bit of a retirement home. And now that they're, they're, they're picking off talent from clubs like ourselves, it's sort of nobody's safe, right? Um, so I'm in my peace with it. The cash helps. The memories were great. We move on. Um, let's hope that the cash is spent well and we stick to the plan. Because I've been banging on about this for a few weeks on the Monday show, and I'm sure you guys have sort of touched on it over over time, is if we want to level up and actually do something in Europe, we need to move towards a model like Ajax, Benfica, Porto, these teams that are producing talent and picking off talent and, you know, buying it cheap and selling it more expensively and incrementally moving up to the point. So, so if we sell him for 25, 30 mil, as the rumor might be, the next one should be going for over 30 and then so on and so forth. You know, Ajax sold Anthony to Man United for 80 million. Now that's a bit off for us, but that should be the goal, right? That should be, we level up, we take these, these, these salary, uh, these fees and we level up the squad in terms of wages and then fees and incrementally over years, if we get the model right and we continue to do this well, then we will be operating at that kind of level. And and so from that point of view, I can't sit here and say that's how I want the club to operate and then be too despondent when we get a player and do exactly that with them. So, yeah, it, it sort of makes sense to me. It's a production line we've spoken about plenty of times, Paul, where we say, like, you look at like your Leipzig's and your Salzburg's and those sort of clubs along with Ajax and Porto and that where they have like that player who, okay, they'll spend more than us, but they're spending maybe 15 million. So they sell a guy for 30, they'll spend 15 on his replacement and then they'll spend 5 million on the replacement's replacement. So then once that next guy goes for the 30 to 40, they've got a guy ready to step up and then they go and spend five on the backup to train them through. That That's the sort of thing I'd love to see us get to. And when you look at what you're talking about, yes, it's all about the whole moving forward and turning and turning and churning basically perfect example of that would be our right back situation with Juranovic moving on Johnson coming in and it feels like we leveled up at that position so we just need to do the same in our squad with Jota but throw to you Shane for your thoughts yeah similar to um both yourself Jared and Paul um Look, I was uh, I'm disappointed that he won't be around under this season under Rogers um I think we've got an incredible sort of two years out of him. Um, particularly this last season, I think he went to a different level in terms of the way that he at times almost threw the team on his back and said, right, I'm going to carry that. I'm going to carry us to these three points. I'm going to do what it takes to get us over the line here, um, which had uh, developed from his first season. But the simple fact is that, um, you know, if you do well in Scotland and if you do well at Celtic, um, you know, clubs 
with money or dollary dues or dollary bucks as or dollar bucks as they say on bluey those with uh bank accounts that can sustain it will um jared's not happy with the bluey reference those who um can afford it will, will come calling and you know uh, similar to paul there is a level of uncomfortableness in terms of where he's gone and and the whole saudi regime and so forth but speaking very generally, not just including Saudi, but when we've got a player that we, uh, you know, have or a valuable asset that someone wants to buy, we need to make sure that we are getting proper remuneration, you know, and that um, we are maximising that player's value. And we've done so here, in my opinion, you know, we bought him for what, 6.5, I think. And now we've sold him for roughly, you know, 25 to 30. So we've done well there over the course of a, of a, of a season. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how this gets, how this money gets invested and seeing what we do with it. And um, yeah, look, um, look, hopefully we can find the next Jota or someone like that. And when the time comes, do the same again, if need be. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Really? Yeah, it, it, I mean, good luck to Jota, thanks to the memories, but it's all part of this trade player trading model. We have to be part of that system. We can't just say, right, we're going to keep our best players until they run out of contract and then lose money on them. We've seen the club across the city do the same. They've had some of their top players just walk away for free. That that can't happen at a club with the size and stature of Celtic anymore. Um, if you want to put it into perspective, Jota is about to earn double what Celtic as a club got for winning the treble in prize money from the Scottish League and the Scottish League Cup and the Scottish Cup. It's, it's an insane amount of money. Like, you know what I mean? He's never going to turn that down. We're going to add another possibly 15 million to our transfer kitty. So... It's a win-win situation for both. He's going to be rich. We're getting money, so good luck, Jota. The only concern I have with us having everyone knowing how much money is coming our way from this is suddenly the tax on top of any potential person you want to buy goes up. So if you're going to buy someone for $5 million, now they know you've got money, they're going to ask for 8 to 10 So suddenly you get you get that sort of issues there, but um, I'll bring up a couple of comments here. Mm-hmm. Robert Gibson, Rogers wanted rid of Jota as he has a real tan. <laughs> Jota left because the new home kit looks too much like a sporting Lisbon kit. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we had to um, 
I'll look at it and go, yeah, he's, he's moving on. All the best. Thanks for everything. And um, we get into our good news, which, as Paul was saying, like ever since we won the, the treble, it's kind of been like a, um, you know, what's the bad news this week sort of thing. <laughs> and um, so this week, what we do? We, we lost Jota and Jacinta's moving on. And oh. but on a positive, Kyogo signs for a new four-year deal. And new four-year contract, and considering there are rumours of him leaving the club in the weeks since Ange left, um, I think that's some great. It's great news for us, and um, we'll just quickly go around and you know have a have a pile on like a love session here about how much we all love Kyogo and his uh, his celebration. So Willie, go to you first. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic news to hear Kyogo signed a new four-year deal. I mean. It's a real statement of intent from the club too. We're not going to sit back and let players be poached away. He's got another four years on his deal, so if anyone's going to come looking, then the price is going to go up as well. I mean, a player of his quality only enhances the league too, so I'm absolutely over the moon to see him stay for another four years. He's a hand scalper, five goals and six games against him last season, so more than happy for him to stick around for as long as he wants. Like. And Shane? Yeah, I agree with Will. It's uh, very exciting and a good statement of intent from the club. Um, also, you know, there was a little bit of, um, you know, maybe a little bit of concern that that with Rogers coming back in, that that what this might mean for a couple of the players, particularly those who'd come from Japan, and whether we look for to the Japanese markets and other markets like that going forward. So I think on that base, it's also a statement of intent that. Um, you know, Kyogo wants to stay at Celtic and play under Rodgers as well. So, uh, look, really exciting, and I'm looking forward to to another four more years of seeing him celebrate goals in his really unique and and very heartwarming way. Oh, look, it's a great bit of business, and and look, if if you're if you're if you want to simplify it, you know, Jota goes, he get we get him signed for another four years, then. I can live with that plus the extra cash. So one of the things I've sort of banged on about is, yeah, we can sell players for big bits of cash, but, you know, it's simplistically out in the fan base that goes, oh, well, we've got that amount to spend. Well, you have, but you cut it differently. So some, you know, as I said in that last point, you're going to balance that out between wages on existing players, new players, and actual fees. So you might not see the fees at the same kind of level as we've actually received in, but if it levels up the squad overall, I think it's it's great. Kyogo's been absolutely immense for us over the last two years. Um, and, you know, that level of threat, goals, you know, it, look at his touch-to-goal ratio, his involvement-to-goal ratio is incredible. Um, and, and the, it, you know, if we, we all watch games and the whole fan base probably watches games and sees him make run after run after run. And how often do we, you know, the, the, the guys on the ball not see that run? You know, quite often they do pick it out and, and more often than not when they do, it's in the back of the net. You know, if we can find a 10 that starts to see him with a greater regularity, he just goes that. We all go to a completely different yeah. level, and that's probably where we level up in the Champions League. Um, so, yeah, really exciting. You know, on the one side, he's, he's nearly 29. So, you know, realistically, possibly his last big contract, if he stays, at the very least, we've protected that asset. So if he has a phenomenal season in the Champions League and somebody comes and offers, you know, silly money next season... And when we'll have people going, he signed a four-year contract and he's gone and won. Well, so what? We've protected ourselves, right? So um, in an ideal world, he stays. 
Um, but if he goes, then we're going to get big fee for him. Um, so yeah, no downside again. Um, really happy with the business. You know, he's a great, a great player and a great bloke and brilliant for the squad and the fan base. So, you know, all positive and, and probably the, a bit of positivity that we needed and in, in a, a real boost to the point where, and yeah, I saw somebody say the club have played a bind, blinder with how they've announced it. You, you know, we're still on a bit of a minor, you know, a bit of a downer from Jota going and we just get that immediate lift back up knowing that Kyogo signed a new deal. So hopefully we'll get another few signings in the door in the next week or two to just boost it up again so that they're in, in and on board before the squad heads off to, to Japan. But yeah, um, delighted with that bit of business and and yeah it, it gives a bit of stability and a, a really crucial part of the team as well something you're saying there paul brings me to something that i wanted to bring up which is ties into our next topic but you're saying we got him on a four-year deal if kyogo goes after next year then people saying oh we signed him on a four-year deal and we protected ourselves but you got to look at it something willie mentioned earlier as well about the player trading model the average lifespan in the player trading model at the club is probably, what, two, three seasons? So if he goes at this time next year, for instance, then that fits right in with it. If he doesn't, that ties into my next topic that I wanted to ask you about was, well, we've had some great strikers at the club since the King left the building. So I wanted to get you guys to figure out, with along with us in the comments as well, where does Kyogo currently rank in your opinion, for the strikers who we've had after Henrik Larsson left the club. Does that make sense? So does he beat the likes of Musa, Edward, Bellamy, Keane, Hooper, Griffiths, and so on? Where would you put him in in all of those? So we'll go to you first, Willie. I I, I, I rate him as the best since Henrik Larsson, without a doubt. I mean, he scores... Was at 1.05 goals per 90 minutes. He's got a 34.25 conversion rate, 2.9 shots per goal. It's 56% shot accuracy. And you look at Haaland at 33.96 for his um, conversion rate and 55.6 for his shot accuracy. He's up there, like, you know what I mean? He's, the perpetual motion you get from him is just constant. They, everyone knows he's going to be between the goals. He's going to be in that area between the goals. But defenders lose him the whole time because he's constantly moving left, right, left, right. Just a joy to watch. Like, I really do rate him. And I, that, that's why I would put him above Moussa Dembele and Edward. Like, so, yeah. Where about, what do you think, Shane? Well, I. I um Willie came prepared with the stats and he's probably swayed me a bit now. I um I probably had him on level pegging with uh with Dembele, but after hearing that, I think I've got to edge him just slightly higher than Dembele based on that. Look, I, I think he's definitely around that mark. I think I probably have him still on par with, with Dembele. Um, but I think over the course of the next season alone, uh, I think he'll definitely Go above that, and yeah, agree with Willie uh, that he will be be the second, uh, second or the best after uh, Larson, of course. I, I actually think he's in for a big season this season. I think the way Rogers likes his strikers to play is exactly where Kyogo wants to play. So I know he's not six foot five or a big burly player, but I just think Kyogo's game is exactly what Rogers will want for a player. So I'm really looking forward to see what happens this season. Not not many of us are six oh. foot five, mate. It's okay. No, that's true. <laughs> On that point, though, Willie, like what you're saying, I agree with you because I think you'll suit Rogers' system because 
the pressing game, the amount of work that Kyogo was doing pressing, Rogers' teams don't press that hard. Yeah. They tend to get the ball, hold hold it, pass it around, m- maintain possession. So if Kyogo is not having to expend all that energy pressing, he's going to be able to make his runs and counter like runs and secondary runs. And if we get a good number 10, like was said earlier in the pod, and we can find him, then it's going to open him up even, make him even more dangerous in attack. Yeah. But over to you, Paul. Yeah, look, um, there's a case for Dembele for sure. I don't think the others we've touched. Like, look, Edward was brilliant as well, but I don't know. There's something about Dembele that he just has this bit of a cult sort of aspect to him. I think obviously the way he went about his business against the Huns, um, because he's got he's more physical. You know, he you know that that left right header hat trick is just the you know the kind of complete striker. But Willie's right. Kyogo's movement is incredible. To be honest, I, I'm not going to compare any player to, to Larson. It's it's sacrilegious to say, like fan. But he, you know, he one of my favourite things about Larson, especially when I, you know, back in the day when I was in the ground and lucky enough to have a season ticket and stuff. I, I, there was days when I was just watching Larson's movement. I wasn't watching the rest of the game. I was just watching Larson's movement because in the ground, and we've all watched this at different levels, but in the ground you see a completely different game to you know the TV highlights because the TV highlights focus on roughly where the ball is, and you you if you might get some of the movement, um, and we see that a bit with Kyogo, we see movement and we see runs and we go that you know the player on the ball didn't, um, and I, I, for me I think I think you know the stats alone, you know if you look at it just on stats in terms of what he delivers. He is, he's already there. I think Shane's right. This will be a big season for him. And I saw a couple of comments saying he hasn't done in the Champions League yet. He's only had one tilt. Um, and I don't know if the, probably Dembele might have had one or two. Um, and maybe the job is a little bit more favourable back then. Um, so I think this is a season to judge him on. And uh, I expect him to go into another level. So yeah, he's probably on the, you know, he's on the cusp, if not already there, probably already there. But certainly I expect him to go past Dembele and, and, and be standing alone as, as the best striker since Larson um, during this season. Yep, couldn't couldn't agree with you anymore there. For me, with Edward, I there's there's not gonna deny it. It's on pod somewhere. I thought he was probably the best striker I had seen since Larson until that last season happened for the ten in a row season and the way that all fell apart and he didn't get his move and then he went the sulk and all that sort of stuff. So I actually thought he was the best striker I had seen. I even bought a top with Edward 22 on the back. Like that's how highly I rated the guy. And I've only ever bought a player's name and number on the back of two tops in my life, Bruni and him. So that says it all. But Dembele loved his game. I thought he did it on the pitch and he did it on social media. And that's why we all loved him so much. But Kyogo has gone past both of them for me. So absolutely happy as that he's still here. But if Kyogo does stay for his full four years, so he's at the club total of six years, how close? I know this is like, where's my crystal ball? How close, if he keeps up his current rate of play, do you think he will come to the overall impact at the club compared to what Henrik did in his seven years at the club? Go to you, Willie. That's that's quite a difficult question to answer because I, without being too um, 
without putting Kyogo down, I don't think he'll get as close as to, to Larson. I don't think anyone will get as close to Larson as, as what Larson is. You know what I mean? Larson is a living legend. He's He's just a god, basically. You know, what I mean, it's 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 close to perfection as you'll get. I mean, Kyogo's a fantastic player, but Henrik Larsson was just he was on that next level to Kyogo. So, um, uh, he'll he'll definitely he'll be stand out as second in the strikers that I will be seen in my lifetime. But I don't think he'll get the Larsson. I'm afraid. Have to agree with you on that, Willie. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I think the thing about Larson is we got his absolute prime years, didn't we? So um, we got Kyogo kind of at the, as he says, he's hitting his peak. And if we keep him through that contract, we'll we'll get, you know, we'll get a good chunk of his best years as well. But Larson, I, I don't know what age he was when he left, but we must have, at seven seasons, we must have had him from early to mid-20s right through to about 30-ish. So um <laughs> It's one of those, it's, we always want to compare players from eras and teams and all of that sort of stuff. Um, I think, you know, we want to enjoy these players while we've got them. Um, I think it's hard to, to say that, you know, anyone's going to, the way Larson was was held up um, and what he delivered and the time he played and how, he, you know, he also was part of that starting point of building that the sort of generation of domination that we've all enjoyed. Um, so, that, so there's that sort of that, um, I guess backdrop of of a lack of success to then a huge amount of success. So there's all of that that sort of you know that, that sits with him. But yeah, his sheer numbers. What is he third third top goal scorer in our history or something something like that? Yeah. I, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if if anyone gets near that. Um, and and yeah, look, Kyogo's. I don't know. Something just special about about Larson. Um, but if Kyogo, the fact we're even talking about him in the same sort of context and breath shows the amount of impact he's had in two seasons so long may it continue and if he can push on from here um it'd be you know we'll all be enjoying that and it'll be to to sell its best interest as well and shane anything to add no i think uh i think you boys have have uh, covered it all off really well um you know i don't i don't want to say anything that's going to put kyogo down he's an incredible player i think he's probably it even has the potential to get better. I think we're going to, if he stays for the, the four years, he's, he's going to leave a remarkable legacy, but um, look, I don't think it will, um, I don't think it'll get near uh, what Larson did. And that's because Liam's not here. So I thought I'd do it for fun. <laughs> All right. Yep. Yeah. So let's talk about possible transfers that are, you know, incoming to the club. So, quick little whip around here. What positions do you think we need to strengthen? Willie, you say one, Shane one, Paul one, and we'll just go around. I think there's only four positions we probably need to fix. So, what do you reckon, Willie? What's the priority for you? Goalkeeper. Shane? Number 10. Paul? I'm with Shane. I think we need... I think we need... uh, O'Reilly's amazing, but I think we need a an absolute out-and-out Champions League number 10. Like yeah. a player, to, to my point, to my player that can see more of those Kyogo runs and therefore delivers a huge amount of assists and will score more goals and therefore will we'll win more games and we'll be in the mix in the Champions League. For me, it's either... It's a tough one. It's one minute, I think, on, we, need a Euro, we need a European quality number six, but then at the same time, I think... We need a European quality centre back to play alongside Carter Vickers in the Champions League. So that's one of those two for me. Like the number ten, yeah, 
agree with you as goalkeeper, agree with you, but for me, it's one of those two. So if that's the case, that's what we all think we need to bring in. Here's a list of players we've been linked with this week. So Fabian Ryder from BSC Young Boys, apparently a central attacking midfielder who can also play on one of the wings for about 15 million pound. There's your European quality number 10. Would breaking our, um, can you see the club breaking our, you know, transfer record for 21-year-old central attacker midfielder? Shane, would you be happy with that? Yes. Yes, I would. And I think if I'm if I'm looking at a position or positions where I'd like to splash some cash to get a quality player, I'm either thinking centre-half or a quality number 10. So if they were to spend that money on bringing Fabian Ryder in, um, I'd be fine with that. Paul, what do you reckon? Yeah, I agree with Shana. Um, it's one that's just kind of sort of creeped up on the radar in the last few you know, last week or so, but, um, and obviously, you know, careful what you look at in terms of YouTube, but he just looks like his range of passing is brilliant. Um, I, it just gets me excited back to the thing about picking out Kyogo's running. He looks like a guy who can do that. Um, good feet, good range of passing. Um, you know, who knows, but it's, he looks like exactly the kind of profile that you would go and spend that kind of money on. If you, if we can, there'll be loads of teams looking at him in Europe, but it, you know, he, he'll start, you know, we're starting to develop a platform for getting players into either the the Premier League or now Saudi and, you know, life-changing money. So it depends which way you want to go as a player, but we've covered both those bases. Um, I tweeted this week that, you know, he's the kind of player that if we did get him, we'd all fall in love with him. He'd break our hearts in 12 months. He'll be off somewhere else. That's the kind of trajectory he looks like he could be on. But look, if you could, I, it goes, I get back to the model. If you if you buy him at 15 and he, he does what we think he could possibly do, he does sell for more than Jota. He's 30 or 35 or even 40 mil because your starting price is higher. You know, the ability level's higher. You know, then and he goes to... a long-term to, contract. Yeah, he goes a long-term contract and he's 21 years of age. So, you know, I think... If, even if we don't get him, and I think I'm already getting my hopes up that we do, and I'm sure there's plenty <laughs> others in the support, but the fact we're looking at play, because I think there's genuine interest, right? It, it sounds like this isn't just pie in the sky. It sounds like this is genuine interest. There's enough kind of corroboration around that, that we're interested in this player. So it, it, for me, it, it, it sends a message that we're shopping in the right kind of markets if that's what we're trying. So all positive for me. Um, if we don't get him, hopefully there's you know there's a list. You'd expect there to be a list. Um, but yeah, I agree with Shane. We want to be spending that kind of cash on one or two players with the budget that we've got available this summer, and then a few others in the five, four to six million category probably. And we're probably going to see our wage bracket widen out a little bit. Um, I think the wage bracket's probably been relatively tight for the first you know 15, 16 players on the squad. I think we'll start to see that widen now you know does that cause problems in terms of you know how people are feeling if it's managed correctly and they've you know they're they're working towards career development and and all the rest of it and we are you know like most think you know stepping stone to richer leagues then that should be fine and i think it's it's all part of this model that will take us to another level and willie I think Paul's read my notes on that one. I've got down, he just fits the player <laughs> trading model. Like he says exactly what you need. He's 21. He's got the ability to go to the next level. He'll use this as a stepping stone one or two years and he'll move on. And as Paul said, I've, I've gone on YouTube and watched a couple of highlight reels of him and he has 
like he has really good close control. He's got nice touch and his vision for the passing. In my notes here, I think Kyogo would thrive off the kind of balls he would be able to play into him. So I, I too, am also very excited to see if this boy will come or not. Like, and I really do hope he does. Like. So we've got a comment here from Pete McGee. Can't play with a 10 unless the formation is 4-4-2 and it's not going to happen. So a 3-5-2 would have a number 10. A uh, 4-2-3-1 would have a number 10. A 4-4-2, you'd need to have a diamond midfield to do that. So there's plenty of options there. A 4-3-3, you can even have a number 10. So there's plenty of options. It would work. It's a good it's a good signing. So I, for me... I, th- I think we'll go back to his default. For majority of games, we'll go back to the 4-2-3-1, I think, yep. um, which absolutely perfect for a 10. So yep. I, think it's, I think that's likely. We all saw how uh, Rogic played under Rogers as a 10 last time around. So that's the position. That's the role that you're looking for him to come in. So, yeah. The next player we're linked with was um, Duck from Aberdeen for about £2 million as a third-string striker. Willie, we'll go to you first. Um, He's shown he's more than capable of doing the business in Scotland. He's young. He's only 23. He would also fit the player trading model. He's got 16 goals, 37 games. He's got quite a good conversion rate, 35%. 2.8 shots per goal, 62% shot accuracy. Um, he's agile. He's speedy. He's got good strength. Might be worth a punt for $2 million. He could certainly do a job as backup to um, Diogo, but <laughs> I don't know. Is Are you going to hamper O's progress? By taking him on, quite the possibility of that could happen. But it is an area we do. We probably will need to strengthen him. And you could do a lot worse than him, but they might want to do a bit better too, though. Rumours floating around uh, Carlos Borges, Man City's youngster, as well, coming in for that role, if my memory's right. So that would be an interesting one. Paul, Shane, you got anything you want to add about Duck potentially, or is he a no for you? Uh, look, he had a pretty decent season at Aberdeen. Um, and, you know, they finished like a steam train, but for a long time there, they they were pretty poorly performing, uh, particularly early on in that season. And for him to sort of do well uh, in that squad at that time, I, I think there's a player there. And also it is good to look at our, obviously, <sighs> you know, our local league and see if we can actually bring any players in from other clubs from within Scotland as well. So he fits that bill. I think two mils. Okay. Um, I'm not really fussed either way, but um, yeah, look, I wouldn't be too unhappy if it happened. Ohio ready for some quick mental health facts. Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Anything to add, Paul? I just, I, I take the way the guys are saying, but I think um, to me, he would be a direct competition for O as a second string. And I think we need a third striker, but I'd rather he was somebody that was putting proper pressure on Kyogo and then always having to lift his game. So as somebody that sits between the two, and that might be somebody that's a bit older. Um, it might be somebody that's sort of coming to the end of a contract and and is happy to take a short-term contract and um, and and you know use some nouse and just you know be a bit of a rotation in a in a, in a super sub. I don't know. Um, he could be you know it could be there. You know, there's there's a place for for players he's you know if is he going to be happy competing for the second the bench spot for a striker that's the question right so i think there'll be other clubs interested in him that will be more likely there'll be a step up from aberdeen uh in terms of you know club and uh wages and probably you know closer to be able to guarantee him first team football so I'm not sure it's going to happen. If if it does and it's not the most expensive thing, then he's probably good for the squad. But I'm, I'm, it's not one that gets me super excited either way. Andrew Galea in the comments has read my mind. Maida is our third striker. I think he would suit playing as a striker more under Rogers than as a winger under Rogers because Rogers tends to like those tricky technical wingers. So I think Maida would be more. The, the third striker. You could even have a pairing of him and Kyogo together if we play a three-five-two, for instance, with two up the front, the speed and those two talking in Japanese and no one knowing what they're saying to each other will make it even harder for um the defenses. So that could always work. So I'd skip that one. A couple more ones we're talking about is there's potential for Kieran Tierney on loan from Arsenal, 10 million, loan with the option to buy. Would you? I think wages would would scupper that deal. He's on about 120 grand a week. No chance in hell that's happening, unless Arsenal's going to subsidise his wages. But we can dream. But you know, I'm not delusional. Doesn't fit the model, right? Doesn't like it. I don't know how how it's got in there, but it's it doesn't really fit the model in any way, shape, or form. I don't really want to be loaning players. Um, from other clubs um the option to buy i think you're right jared the way you know in another was he 26 coming up 27 maybe maybe in another three or four years you might see him be willing to take a, a pay cut and and come back and give us his last two or three best years if he's still you know fit um and you know we haven't moved on past that but for me uh, trying to get an equivalent of an aj on the left hand side is is more the the model you know it's a 23 24 year old you know two or three million quid quids hungry develop him you know go from there so for, for me as much as i love kt last time uh, and he's a great player and i think he's had a bit of a raw deal at arsenal um that's no for me just don't see it happening he's a quality player and i and i absolutely would take him back and and i know he doesn't necessarily fit the model as paul said but you know, for that quality, I definitely have him back in the heartbeat. I just don't see it happening, uh, even irrespective of the wages. If if Newcastle's in for him, like I see him going there um, instead of actually coming back to us. So, yeah, would love it, but I don't think it. I just don't think it's on the cards realistically. Before you yeah. send, I'm going to answer this comment from Sam. How's Josh Doidge doing? 
in Italy. Apparently, he's done that well at Hellas Verona that he's getting a move to Bologna. So I read today the Bologna moves off, but somebody else in Italy is going to pick him up. So um, it escapes me who it is. But I read earlier today that, yeah, Bologna are looking like dropping out because somebody else in Serie A is is sort of gazumped them to that. But I can't remember who it is. But yeah, I was reading that earlier. But yeah, I don't yeah, Katie, we I think we said it last week. I, I can't see it happening. I think it would just cause too much reactions, the amount of money he would look to be on with the rest of the squad. He there's there's the whole leveling up with the player trading model, but that's going one level too far, one or two two levels too far for us. So it's too big a reach. And it's a no from me. As much as I would love to have him back, cracking player and all that, like, but it's just it doesn't make sense to me. And the last one we're going to talk about quickly, Scott McTominay from Man United. The rumoured range is 11 to about £14 million for him on a permanent or we just loan him for a year. I was talking about a European level number six. That's him if we're going to sign him. If we're going to spend all our transfer kitty on Stein Ryder and McTominay, I'd be... I'd still have to get another centre back in, but and look at some other positions. But we'd probably then at that point, once those two are in, we'd have to sell to buy. So, yeah, McTominay, I think it'd be a decent move, but and I think you tick the box of what I'm after. But at the same time, I think his issue would be it'd upset the the wage structure too much if Calmack who plays the same position for him as the club captain and he's getting out earned almost almost double the wages what McTominay would want compared to what Calmax on. Some people yeah, have agreed. Yep. Paul, anything? I think yeah, like Katie, I think wages are gonna be the issue. Um but if somehow they weren't and he would he could fit in an even an upskilled model without upsetting the apple cart across the the top earners, especially like Carl Mack, obviously I believe he's play be playing next to him, especially if we're playing a four two three one. Um he's a great player. He's you know, there was a lot of doubters about him when he would be he's been mentioned a few times over the last twelve months. Um it seems like there's more traction on it this time than there has been in previous months and years. But um I don't know. He's, his performances for Scotland have, have sort of turned a few Celtic fans round. I think a lot of people were like, oh, he's, you know, he's not that great and he's, he'd be too expensive. But yeah, I'm not, I don't think it's realistic. But if somehow the club pulls that one off and manages to make it work, it would be a, it would be a bit of a, a statement signing. But realistically, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm happy to eat my words if it does put it that way. 100%. So I'm just going through some comments here. Pete McJay. God's sake, now it's McTominay. We need to get real. Sean here is saying, Man United want 30 mil for him. Uh, apparently Newcastle's offered 30 million for him. And then Pete here, why not see if Harlan fancies a move from City? Mate, we're not making up these rumours, okay? We're going off what people are talking about on Twitter, <laughs> Facebook, in the, in the um, what's it called? In the papers, all that sort of stuff. I don't think we'll get him. I think Ryder, maybe. McTominay, no. Personally, that's my opinion. But if Harlan does fancy a move from City, well, at least he'll be, no, at least he'll be joining a, a big club. Uh, with, with a fans. decent farm, farm base. Like. <laughs> base. So, they'll be coming to a real club. So there you go. There's your selling point. 
He'll get an atmosphere on a Saturday too, rather than sitting in a library. Like exactly. Yeah. There goes our good links to the city group. Aye. Oh well, we got Tilio now. I'm good. <laughs> Burn the bridge. <laughs> right. Last topic: the Korea tour is part of the tour is off. The Japan tour is still going ahead. So. I saw something in the Tasmanian CSC Facebook group and I thought, why not bring it up for a chuckle? Give them a shout-out too because they're a good bunch. If you're on Facebook, join their group, especially if you're in Tassie. But what they're saying is they're saying that Celtic should swing down this way to down to Australia again once they're done in Japan for a couple extra friendlies against A-League teams. Is this a good idea? What do you think, Paul? Well, we're obviously going to think it's a good idea because we might get to see them again, right? So, yeah. uh, look, I've seen the press have already jumped in it saying our, our pre-season's in chaos. The the Korea tour is canned. Well, it was, it was one match, right? So, in the grand scheme of things, we were doing that as, you know, much more for marketing purposes um, than we were for match sharpness or development or any other bits and pieces. It's about brand development, let's be honest. Um, we've signed O. You know, we've had some Korean players in the past. You know, it's a market we'll continue to tap. Obviously, there's a link with another uh, winger that's uh, on some of the comments saying it's potentially nearly a done deal. He's forcing that through. But either way, it's definitely a market we want to try and explore. So it's a marketing deal. And the, Jap- it's the, J- the Japan side of things is that too, you know, and a bit of a thank you to, to the players as well. So for me... You know, does it make sense to then, you know, the players have barely had a break. <laughs> does it make sense from a from a practical point of view that to, to be to basically give them a world tour uh, after the two week holiday? Uh, probably not. Like it'd be great, great to see them down here. And I would like to see Celtic circle back through Australia on a, a more consistent basis than we've seen in the past. But from a practical point of view, it, you know, either find another team in Japan to play or just play the two games and get back and play some games in Europe as we run into the season. So, yeah, that's my view. Shane? Would love it. Would love them to uh, to swing by and it makes perfect sense that they're in that part of the world. The only thing is it's it's we've obviously got the Women's World Cup going on Um very shortly. I, I can't remember when was the Korea and Japan tour scheduled for. It's pretty recent. It, it's pretty soon, isn't it? Yeah, about 20, 21st to 26th or something like that. that so we're still going to be relatively either just towards the tail end of the Women's World Cup or, or just after it when they're obviously starting to get the stadiums kind of back to where they were. So I think, you know, <clears throat> if it's during the time where the World Cup would have been on, probably not going to happen, but I'd love it. And it makes perfect sense. Next time they're in this part of the world or that part of the world, they they should venture down to Australia. Willie, uh, it'd be good to see them down here. Like, I mean, Tasmania. Where's that Hobart? Is it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, a quick shout out to the woman who sat next to me at the Everton game who produced the ca- Tannix caramel wafers at halftime. Like top notch. Like I was <laughs> delighted with that one. Like, sitting there, so I've not seen these for ages since I moved down here. I was over the moon. Take eggs. No, it was the caramel wafers, the log ones. Like, that's oh, yeah. I was delighted. I was over the moon. Like, it was excellent. Like, I now it'd be good to see them come down here. But as it as it stands, the game being off, it's just a marketing thing. There's no no yeah. reason why we can't get um, uh, wolves up to Celtic Park or go down to Molyneux for the game. Just if it's for March sharpness, you know what I mean. There's no reason why that can't happen. But I, yeah. yeah. So we got some comments here. Like Tony's agreeing with what you just said there, Willie. Can we play Wolves back in Glasgow? Yeah. 
Martin, hail, hail. Yep. Just giving a shout-out to your CSC. Andrew was the new manager will want the squad back home on the training track. I'd agree with all of that. It's um the the funny thing is the only thing I can think of would be um yeah, the only thing I can think of is when's when's Tottenham in Perth again, Paul? Uh in a week <laughs> or two. Uh I think literally next maybe the fifteenth. Uh I think, yeah. There's an open there's an open training session on a Monday night, which I think is if not, it's I think it might be a week on Monday, basically. So yeah, and then the game, I think. So the open training sessions on Monday, I think. And then the game must be probably the Tuesday or the Wednesday night. I was gonna so say let's just next week, probably. If it if it linked up, let's just swing down to Perth, play another game there against Tottenham, you know. Absolutely <laughs> screw up Andrew's debut weekend at his new club and uh Go about our business. Perfect. <laughs> I'm not be happy if they come back to Perth. <laughs> anyway, so Paul, I don't know if you guys do this on Monday where we have our final thought at the end of the pod. You can say anything you want, basically. Any one final thought? You just do yeah, we do. And um, we'll start off with yeah, you for that. I uh, I sort of do a bit of a Johnny, so it's handy that I've kind of filled in for him while he's on his holidays. So I uh, I usually do a little bit of a music recommendation. So uh, this week's recommendation is uh, the debut album by a guy called Grian Chatin. Um, he's the lead singer of Fontaine's DC, Irish band. His debut album is called Chaos for the Fly. Um, yeah, it's really good. And uh, if, you, if you like the old uh, Fontaine's DC stuff, then uh, this is kind of a bit more of the same, maybe a bit with a bit, maybe not quite as heavy and rocky, but it's uh, it's really good. So get your logs around that. Shane? Well, mine's also music related this week, and uh, oh, it's actually in it's uh, the I found out today actually that the always excellent teenage fan club are going to be touring Australia um, around April March next year. So uh, Norman Blake, who's um, one of the three main members of Teenage Fan Club, a massive Celtic fan. I've loved Teenage Fan Club for many years. They're an awesome band. They make music that just you can sit back and enjoy any time. So uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing them when they come to Australia. Uh, check out the dates on their website. And Willie? Witcher Season 3 on Netflix, Top Notch Entertainment. And for me, all I want to do is uh, tell people that if you got me on social media on Saturday, bombard me, please, because I'm officially a year older that day. So uh, get stuck in and make me feel super loved, okay? Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We'll uh, see you next week. How, how? How, how? How, how? Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.